0: Good evening, team. Welcome to the next episode of the Coaching Confidence Podcast. My name is David Bertelsall, and thanks so much for tuning in tonight. Uh, I know you're obviously really busy people, so I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this podcast and uh, being part of this little community of people. As always, if you want to get involved, it's dead simple. All you have to do is simply follow me on Instagram at david David (laughs) david.bertelsall.com. I forgot my own Instagram handle, um, at david.birdwissall. And you can get your questions answered. All you have to do is DM me at any point in the week prior to when this is recorded. It's usually recorded on a Thursday evening in the UK. So you can get your questions in any time before then, and hopefully we can get them answered on the podcast each week. Um, If you are listening to this on iTunes or on Spotify or on any of the podcast facilities please be a legend leave us a little review it goes a long way i really do uh, appreciate everyone that puts the time in to leave a little review just hit that five star button if you don't have much time to write anything just uh something nice and simple like that will go a long way so team as always uh we've got three general structures three general topics for how this is going to be um held so we've got training nutrition and mindset. They're the three topics. And within those three topics, we've got three questions each week, which um, you guys have asked, and I'm going to be answering them. Some of them are um, like some real simple questions. Others are going to require a little bit more depth, I suppose, is the answer to that one. some great questions coming in though, guys. I really am enjoying the way that you're getting involved with this and um, just the, the kind of variety of questions is brilliant. So we're going to be talking about NEAT today. We're going to be talking about uh, sugar-free. Is that is the best way to go? I'm um, also going to be talking about some stuff with relationships. So like commitment and um, trust issues and things like that. So this is a good podcast. Also, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to everyone that's subscribed on iTunes or any of those podcast services, because I I, I see you guys. I see you coming in week after week and listening to the podcast and getting involved. And it is awesome. I'm glad that you guys are enjoying it. All right. There's a quick question, actually, that's come in real recent. This is a great little question. And it's actually not related to any of those three topics, which I was just talking about, um, it's kind of by itself. This one covers multiple, multiple of the topics. So I wanted to just put it out there and uh, just answer this one quick first. So the question came in from Renee and she asked "In what are my five tips and tricks that I live by in health, fitness and life? And I thought that that was like real cool, real quick, real simple. So I'm just gonna jump straight in and answer one to five. Number one, don't drink your calories. Simple, although you know, booze every now and then. A few cocktails I had last night. It's fine, but I stick by the 80 20 rule. So 80% of the time I'll stick to this, 20% of the time I won't. That applies to pretty much everything I kind of stick by in life. Um, Number two, your strength controls everything. So Uh, your physical strength kind of dictates your ability to do a lot of stuff in life you can't be powerful if you don't have strength you can't have control if you don't have strength Um, flexibility obviously you can have without strength but to be able to work through that full range requires control which requires strength everything is is built upon your ability to generate force so strength controls everything number three asking for help isn't a weakness. I thought it was when I was younger. I thought that as a man, I needed to know all the answers to all the questions before I'd even know what the questions were. And I used to think that asking for someone's help was a sign that I was an inferior person. And that's kind of held me back, I think, in life. So um, this, that was that's kind of a real big thing for me as a turning point was realizing that asking for help isn't a weakness. Number four, loyalty is everything. That is something which is one of my core values in life. Loyalty be it in a relationship, be it to uh, your friends, your family, be it to anything really, loyalty to the cause and being part of something bigger than you. And then number five, no matter what you do, a cracked egg will never be the same again. What I mean by that is that what's done is done and cannot be undone. What's been damaged can never be fully repaired relationships for me is is a prime uh application of this is in relationships so when you meet somebody it's fantastic and it's amazing and you guys building and building and building but like if you do something to that other person they're always going to remember it you know they're always going to be reminded of it somehow and so like cheating on someone even if they say they forgive you and even if they say they're gonna get past it it's never gonna be fully forgotten so although i do think of ask for forgiveness not for permission that doesn't always apply and definitely in human relationships it's really hard to repair a damaged human relationship so yeah I think like, that's probably the top five things that I generally live by that don't really fit into the above categories that we talked about earlier, but just something I really wanted to, to go through. Five quick tips, simple, easy things that, I don't know, what are you guys' thoughts? What are your five top tips? DM me. I want to know from you guys, Like, what is it that you stick by? What, even if it's easier than that, what are your top three things that you value in life that you think cover multiple different parts of your life that really help you? But we're going to move on. We are going to get stuck in. First question, training related. This one came in earlier in the week from John. He asked, David, how important is NEAT? So, <laughs> Dieran, if you're listening to this, mate, uh, apologies in advance. But if you guys know who Darren Cartel is, um, he's PT and he is big on uh, promoting the benefits of NEAT. So, here goes my Dieran impression. <laughs> All right, yeah. So, neat is non-exercise activity thermogenesis, yeah? So, basically, it's all the activity you do that isn't in the gym. So, if you just like going for a walk, or if you're going up the stairs, or if you're doing anything around the house, all that stuff, yeah, is non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And it adds up to all your daily calories. Yeah? Safe, innit, bro? Ah... <laughs> oh. I murdered that impression, didn't I? Absolutely murdered it. (laughs) But basically, (laughs) basically, NEAT is all of the movement that you do that isn't in the gym. Yeah, it's like your activity that's not exercise. So it is genuinely really, really important. And I'm glad that Darren has been putting in the work to highlight the importance of NEAT. Basically, this actually is a really good example. Is that my brother at the moment? He's currently going through a fat loss period, right? So he was up at about eighty nine kilos. Um, now he's down at eighty six kilos. I think I posted about this earlier in on my story today, actually. And he um, he's losing weight at roughly one kilo per week, right? Which is pretty fast. That's a that's a good rate of fat loss. Really good, in fact. He's only working out three times a week though and he's eating 2,700 to 2,800 calories a day which is a lot. That is a lot for someone of his size. We might be thinking like well how has he managed to do that? How can you eat 2,700 calories a day only train three times a week and lose fat at one kilo a week and in the past he he dieted with me. He lost uh, 20 kilos over six months and we did that through training and nutrition. Um, he was even heavier then. He was up at over a 100 kilos beforehand. Um, and the difference is that he was training six times a week back then. So he's training now half as much as he was training then. And he's losing weight at faster rate than he did before. What's the difference? The difference is his needs. Back then, he was working um, in a regional sales role. And so he was sat in his car for like eight to nine hours a day. So his neat was tiny, teeny-weeny. It was really, really small. And so now he's not working in that position at all. He's currently working as a... a <laughs> should know what your brother does for heaven, shouldn't you, Dave? He basically is active for his job (laughs) he works in sales but it's like a a, like a door-to-door sales thing in australia so he's working like he's moving loads so his daily movement is huge so the difference is he can train half as much as he did before and lose weight faster than he did before because his knee is so high That's the importance of me. And that's why loads of trainers will say to you, okay, how many steps are you getting in? Are you getting in 10,000 steps a day? Because if you're an office based worker that lives in the city that gets up and then gets on a bus, that gets on a tube, that walk, like stands on the escalator, gets to work, sits at the office for eight hours a day, does the same thing on the way back home, then gets home and sits on the sofa, your actual movement is going to be tiny like it's not uncommon for office workers that live near a tube station to be only getting like 6 7000 steps in a day to hit 10000 is good if you live in if you work in an office um, whereas like for someone like me I'm usually hitting like 18 19000 steps a day and when I was working at F45 I was getting like almost 30000 steps in a day which is why when I started working there I had to eat an extra 1000 calories a day my intake went up by almost a thousand calories just because of my knee. Just because my energy expenditure was so high, I was dieting on 3,500 calories a day. That shows the importance of knee. So, for people that do work in an office that you don't want to be living in a gym, you've got to try and think about the things that you can do to increase your energy expenditure and make your life more active. Because at the end of the day, we are active creatures, you know, being human beings that we, we have this desire to move, you know, we don't want to be cramped up all the time. So is it that you, instead of getting the bus to the tube station, you walk to the tube station, or instead of getting on the nearest stop, walk to the next stop instead. That way you're going to be getting in real movement. When you get to the escalator, do you walk up the escalator or do you just stand there like hand on hip, chilling out as the escalator takes you up? In my opinion walk in like anything that you can do if you're an office worker and you don't move that much do everything that you can to be active it's going to make a big difference one thing i recommended to a client this week actually was instead of sitting at your desk answer emails can you answer emails whilst walking on a treadmill like yes it might not be the most effective way to train walk in but if the other alternative is sitting at a desk to do the same job, wouldn't walking on a treadmill be a better use of your time? That way you're going to be walking an extra like three miles a day, which over the course of a week, 21 miles, that's a considerable amount more. You know, you're walking 84 miles a month at that rate. That is that is a big difference from not doing any to 84 miles a month your average step count is going to be up massively. The amount of energy that your body needs is going to go up massively. And so that alone could make a big difference to someone who's trying to lose body fat just by doing your emails on the treadmill instead of sat at a desk. So um, in answer to your question, mate, yep, NEAT is very important. Right, we're going to move on. We're going to move on to a nutrition question. And uh, this one is, are all calories equal? Are all calories equal? The calorie is king. It's what everything is kind of decided from. So like we all should know now that generally diets, they like most diets all work from the same principle of creating an energy deficit. If you want to lose body fat, you have to at some point have a difference between the amount of energy that comes in and that comes out. That's what people mean by creating an energy deficit. If we have the same amount of calories coming in and out, There's going to be no change. There's going to be no desire for the body to make any difference. If we have more calories coming in than going out, then you're going to gain weight, gain fat or gain muscle, dependent on what you're doing. But are all calories equal? Well, even though they have done studies which show that as long as you're in a calorie deficit, you will lose body fat, irrelevant of the types of foods that you eat. No, they're not all created equal. So... One of the main reasons is that calorie, a calorie is just a unit of energy, right? And that unit of energy is in all food, but there's also other things in the foods. So even though you might get 10 calories from some protein and 10 calories from some sugar, the effect that the nutrients and the makeup of that food has on your body is going to be completely different we know that protein is super important for muscle synthesis. So if you want to gain any muscle mass or repair any muscle mass, then we need protein in order to do that. Whereas sugar is really just glucose, which is just an energy supply. So it's not going to do the same thing in your body as the protein would. So even though you're having the same amount of energy from those two things, what that energy does in your body is going to be different. And the body is fantastically adaptable don't get me wrong it will do what it needs to do given whatever you give it but we want to try and be as optimal as possible we want to try and give your body the best situation that it can possibly have so that it has the capacity to make the most growth or lose the most fat or just basically be as efficient as possible to get you guys the results that you're looking for so realistically this is why you're generally suggested to eat a whole food diet because a whole food diet will provide you with a good amount of calories, whatever that calorie amount is, but also keep you feeling full. It will give you the right amount of protein that your body needs to repair the muscles that have been damaged through training or grow bigger muscles if that is what you're looking to do. You're, um, you'll get a good amount of whole carbohydrates, or complex carbohydrates, and not just simple sugars. You'll get a nice source of healthy fats from Uh, nuts or seeds or avocados or oils and things like that instead of getting trans fatty acids or hydrogenated vegetable oils which you'll get in processed foods so effectively yes a calorie is a calorie irrelevant of where it comes from as in the unit of energy which is a calorie is the same it's a universal thing just like one kilo is one kilo however one kilo of fat and one kilo of muscle are different just like one kilo of protein and one kilo of sugar are different so yes all calories are equal but they do vary dependent on the source because the source of the calorie affects how your body reacts and how much benefit you're going to get from that calorie of food i hope that one wasn't too complicated i kind of feel like i maybe waffled a little bit anyway we are going to move on we're going to move on to a mindset question um So this one is to do with relationships. I know sometimes we talk about mindset stuff being um, relationships, or it could be motivation, or it could be confidence. It comes in all different forms. And I feel like talking about all of this kind of stuff freely and openly is going to be really beneficial for us as a society and as males, especially because we're not very good at this kind of stuff. We don't really talk about these kind of things. And that is part of the reason that I started this, Uh, podcast and, and started doing these Instagram lives was to kind of break down some of the boundaries maybe that we have as lads so that we can talk about these things more often and even though I know that a lot of women tune into this and it is still applicable to women I as a man want to encourage more men to talk about their emotions and their feelings and their problems and what's going on in their head because you're not a man if you keep all of that bottled up and then do something stupid you're a man if you're able to process what's going on in your head and relay that to people and ask for help and basically do all the things which you you actually want to do, but you feel you shouldn't do because of the societal pressure of how you should be as a man. Let's just get rid of that shit. Let's just, let's just be who we are. So this question came in and the question was, um, I'm scared of a commitment. How can I change? So it's related to to um, being in a relationship and that is honestly it's a really hard question to answer because we have commit people have commitment issues I mean I've definitely got or had commitment issues in the past and it can be a really tricky thing for us to get over because often these types of questions are like so heavily ingrained into who we are and we have to often catch ourselves when we're doing it and make a conscious effort to change and realize like I think the the one thing that resonated with me is that there's certain things in life that you can control and there's certain things in life that you can't control and if you worry about all of the things that you can't control you're forever going to worry like if you can control it and you're worrying about it Find a solution to the problem, change it and stop worrying about it. If you can't control it and you're worrying about it, just accept that it's out of your control. There's nothing you can do and let it go. And I know that's going to be easier for some people and harder for others. I know from a fact my (laughs) mum really struggles to do that kind of stuff. She's such a worrier. Bless her. She's such a darling though. I absolutely love her. Brought out a brilliant question, this uh, quote this morning, though. If you guys saw my story, I actually quoted my mum <laughs> who emailed me in reply to one of my um, daily emails that I was sending out. And I just thought, God, mum, you are dropping knowledge bombs. You are dropping some knowledge bombs. If you guys want to um, be a part of that, by the way, the daily emails go out. All you have to do is go onto my uh onto my website and just scroll down on the homepage there's a little subscription box and drop your email in there you'll get all the daily emails and stuff like we're just talking whatever's going on in life but it's some good stuff there's some good tips and there's just like a bit of balance in there as well Uh, but yeah mum was dropping some knowledge bombs this morning talking about if you choose one path as long as you learn when you're going along that path then you've chosen the right path I was like shit mum you're like Yoda anyway I've been subtracted, sidetracked, sidetracked. I've been sidetracked by mum on that one. So how can you change this fear of commitment? Um, I personally feel like you've got to do a pattern interrupt. Yeah. If you know that you are someone that really struggles with commitment, you have to sit down and think to yourself, like question A, where that came from? Like, why is it that that is the case? Are you scared of commitment or are you just scared of getting hurt? Have you been hurt in the past and you're scared that that's going to happen again? Like, I know that for, for a fact that it's something that's happened to me. I've, I've definitely been heartbroken and, and really struggled with, um, kind of opening up to people and, and, and committing. And that's something that I'm definitely working through. But it's like the thing that kind of really helped me was understanding that I want to be happy. And for me to be happy is to have uh, a partner in life, someone that I can like share my life with. And the only way that I'm ever going to get that is by taking the plunge and committing. You're never going to get anywhere in life with anything if you half-heartedly go through it. With your tra- training, if you're only kind of just turning up for half the session, you, you're only going to get half the results if that. You know, if you're going to work and you're only putting in half of the work or half of the effort, you're not really going to get the results, you probably get fired. Like if you only turned up to work half of the time, you're probably not going to last very long. So with everything in life, we have to commit to it. And the more that we commit to things, then generally the better the results we're going to get, or at least the more we're going to learn along the process. So although it can be really scary to, to commit to a person because we're putting our trust in them and we're opening ourselves up to potential hurt, it is part of life and it's worse, I think it's worse to never open yourself up and commit to somebody than to do it and, and have your heart broken because at least then you love and you feel and you go through that whole journey and, and although it hurts if that does happen, you know, pretty much all of us, everyone listening to this has probably gone through some pain with regards to relationships. It's honestly one of the biggest pains that most people will face um aside from like mortality so yeah i think you've just gotta see what it is that you really want to get out of life you've got to question your long-term goal and then work back and face the fear that you're gonna have to commit to somebody you're gonna have to you're gonna have to put that trust in someone right great question that great question really good um training, (laughs) changing the subject, this one made me laugh, right, so the question was, do I have to train legs, (laughs) do I have to train legs, now we all know that legs is not everyone's favourite body part to train, there are some people out there that love it, there's some people out there that just want to squat, and you know what, hats off to them, I respect those people, the psychopaths that they are, I respect them because there's just something about training legs that majority of us don't like doing. But do you know what's worse than training legs and having that feeling is being the person that's got a massive upper body and tiny legs? Like it just is dire because it's not it's not even how it looks right although it does look funny because you know you get guys that are like proper wide and literally like have to turn sideways to go through doors um you get those guys and then you see their small little legs you just know that they've just never trained legs it's for me it's more that it shows a weakness in personality because i feel like training legs it toughens you it toughens you up it like makes you have to go through this uncomfortableness and you just have to kind of dig deep and like, oh, it sucks. We know it sucks. Like you have to lift heavy ass weights and that's uncomfortable, but it breeds this resilience and this toughness and this like mental rigidity that, that is good. And plus, as soon as you start training legs, it just, it opens up a whole different way of training. Because if you only do upper body stuff, then all you're going to do is bodybuilder style split type training where you're doing chest one day, shoulders, back, arms, and that is just monotonous. And you're only going to do it for a certain amount of time, you're going to get bored. Because there is some positives to doing that kind of training, like hypertrophy training is good. I would be lying to say if I hadn't spent a lot of my life doing hypertrophy training, I did, obviously. But at the same time, (laughs) <laughs> I've done my fair share of legs as well. I mean, you can't see if you're looking at the moment because I'm sat down, but buying jeans is a struggle. If I'm honest, they have to be stretchy. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. So I've done my fair share. And i tell you that it's really good. Once you start doing it and you've got some strength in your legs, you do get this sense of accomplishment because it's not that you're just doing like squats and deadlifts, but you can then do like Olympic lifting. You can get better at doing like, all different types of stuff, wall balls and, and lunges and box jumps and you get stronger on the rower and the assault bike and you just have the ability to do a lot more other stuff because at the end of the day you don't walk on your arms, you walk on your legs and so it literally is like your legs that carry your body. If your top half is massive and your bottom half is really small then you're not actually a particularly well-functioning human being because you've not got the capacity in your lower body to do very much stuff. So in my opinion, you don't have to train legs. You can do whatever the fuck you want. But I think it makes you better if you train legs. Just better in every way. Nutrition. We're going to move on to is sugar free the best way to lose fat? You. I mean, this whole idea of having to cut out entire food groups in order to lose body fat just doesn't work for me. I I don't subscribe to that ideology. I don't believe that you have to. I don't feel it's completely necessary. But what it does do often is by cutting out certain food groups, it helps people reset what their normality is. If you are someone that massively overeats on sugar a lot of the time, and that is just like your habit, then... The cold turkey approach of just getting rid of it is a potentially really positive thing to do because by doing that, you're going to change your, you're going to change your habit, right? And when you change your habit, it gives you opportunity to form new habits and replace a potentially negative one with a positive one. And so even though you don't necessarily have to, I do feel that it's, Sometimes a process that we have to go through in order to get to the goal, right? So, if the goal is you want to be able to eat really flexibly, maintain the body that you've worked hard to get that is within healthy body fat ranges that allows you to train as much as you want and live the body that you want and live the life that you want, but you don't want to have to count calories and you don't want to have to worry too much about food you don't want it to be like a psychological burden then you kind of have to go through the process to be able to understand how to eyeball certain types of foods like when you walk into a restaurant you need to know roughly how the meals that you're potentially going to have are structured and what is in them so that you can make informed decisions on what it is that you're going to eat that day that's going to fit within your lifestyle, within your goals, and all the other stuff that I just talked about. And in order to do that, there needs to be an education. We can't just go from general population approach to nutrition to what I just mentioned, because they're often really far apart and not not easy to get from one to the other, because we are kept away from how to do it. We're not really educated on all of these processes, you know, a lot of our education around food is just around eating as in making food. Like when I was at school, we would do food food tech, right? So you'd like go into the classroom, into the kitchens and you'd like make stuff and it would be like lasagnas and we'd learn to bake cakes and <clears throat> just general food skills, which I definitely use. and I'm so glad that I have, but I never was really taught... At school, and it's something that almost nobody really knows, unless you're in the industry or you're listening to podcasts like this. That the the like way that nutrition actually is able to be applied, so that you can do everything, which is a shame. And I hopefully think that it will change, and that the society will 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 change and catch up with how things should be done. But um, yeah, for the time being, it is hard. So you do have to go through a process. You have to understand what is in food, what you want to try and get and how to eat relative to your goal Um, so you don't have to go sugar free but for certain people it is going to be more beneficial and if you are someone that typically eats a lot of sugar or a lot of processed high sugar foods then it would make sense to maybe cut that stuff out because it's not necessarily going to help you achieve your goal if your goal is to lose body fat Right, next question on the mindset situation. What, what, What is, I struggle to trust people, but I want to. How can I trust people? Oh, <laughs> oh, that's a tricky question. How can you trust people if you really struggle to trust people? Honestly, I don't necessarily know if I've got the answer to this question. It's so complicated. And I think it's something that, is gonna take each individual that has trust issues a lot of time to get over. Um, Often our trust issues are from things that have happened in our childhood or things that have happened early in relationships and it can be really difficult to get over that. Some people never will. But I think this is quite similarly linked to the previous question on mindset around um, the fear of commitment. For me, I think it's about... What was it? My sister said love is... Oh, what was it? God, I'm going to butcher this quote. Love is giving someone the ability to break you and trusting that they won't. And I think that if you want to have a partner and you want to have someone that knows everything about your life and that is... A part of you and that you are like a partnership you were two things you come together and you're now one thing if you want to have that then you have to trust somebody and although it might be that you only trust them a little bit and you kind of gauge that rather than going like all the way in to start off with and you just kind of like slowly build it up maybe that's the way to go and the thing is that often people who 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 lack trust in others overreact when that person distrust it uh shows distrust or breaks that trust sorry <coughs> and overreacts instead of act, reacting in a to a, a normal level they kind of go too far and they take it too far and so <coughs> I think that when we do that, if if you are somebody that finds it hard to trust, it's got to be, we've got to police ourselves and we've got to become more self-aware if that is our tendency. If we put a little bit of trust in someone or if they break that trust <clears throat> in a small way, we've got to be really, I think, accurate with our resp- response to that. Because if we overreact, then we often could break something that doesn't need to be broken or we could do more damage than it's worth. You know, it's, it's, it's like arguments that happen in relationships. Often they are exacerbated because of the feelings that we have and we bring in things from previous relationships and we don't really just deal with the here and now of that problem. We far too often bring in other things and make the problem a lot bigger than it was because of issues that we've had with other people in the past or psychological things that we've got going on like trust, like commitment issues, like fear of um, being left, all that kind of stuff. So although there's not really like a a quick solution, I think that if you've got the goal that you want to be with somebody and you want to get through this, then it's a case of realising that some level of trust is going to have to happen and allowing that to develop over time is going to be really, really important. So not easy to do, but something that I think most of us will want to do. And I think the key thing with this with this trust thing is, at the end of the day, this is what I kind of think, is that if someone's going to cheat on you, it doesn't matter if you check their phone all the time. It doesn't matter if you're, you have a password on their Instagram. It doesn't matter if you worry all the time that they're going to cheat on you. If they're going to cheat on you, they're going to cheat on you. It doesn't really matter. So it's like what I was saying about worrying earlier. What's the point? Just assume that they're not going to. Live your life as if they're not going to because the only person that it hurts is you and your relationship with that person. And then if they cheat on you, then that is their loss because you're a fucking legend. So if someone cheats on you, it is it is their loss. It's not your loss. You're not a bad person because it's happened or anything like that. They're a bad person for doing it and, and ruining something which shouldn't have been ruined and doing something which didn't need to happen. So worry about things that you can control take action to control them and change them and stop worrying about them. If you can't if you can't fix the thing you're worrying about, you're just literally like you're only hurting yourself. So let that thing go. That would be my main, main bit of chat about that. Uh, right, we're going to move on to the last question of the training section. What do you do if you two and take what? Dave, muddled up your words then, mate. That wasn't very good, was it? Wasn't very professional and supposed to be holding a podcast and doing an Instagram live to some people. (laughs) We'll try that one again. What do you do if you're too intimidated to go to the gym? Boom. Nailed it. God, good David. You got that question out. (sighs) Well done, lad. All right. So if you're too intimidated to go to the gym because there's a bunch of lads in there, they're all lifting heavy weights and slamming them on the floor and making loads of noise and staring at themselves in the mirror, like... I do when I go to the gym. (laughs) Like, this is the thing. I'm I'm a stereotype, right? I'm clearly a stereotype of someone that goes to the gym. Even worse, I'm the stereotype of the guy that goes to the gym that fucking records themselves when they're in the gym. But I know that I'm a stereotype. But the thing is that you guys are looking at this and hopefully you're not thinking that I'm that bad. And so I guess it's like what we can hopefully do is change the perception of people that are in the gym right so like just because guys are in the gym lifting heavy weights and banging them on the floor and making loads of noise I know that can that can be intimidating because I like I even felt it when I started at the the gym I'm now at but I quickly remembered that like everyone is there literally just just in their own zone it's like their time it is the spot for them to get done what they want to get done it's like little moment to themselves in the hectic life of work and family and all that kind of stuff like if it's their one hour of their day to just listen to some music and keep to themselves like i i don't think i've ever seen people be like rude or offensive to other people that are in the gym like I, i i've been training since i was 15 it's like 14 years. And honestly, like I've just never seen it happen. I've only ever seen like supportive stuff. And I know that there is obviously an anomaly to that. There is an exception which proves the rule to every single thing. And there will be some people that have made fun of other people, but the vast majority of people that go to the gym, they're all there for the same reason. Everybody is there to improve themselves, to get better at something. So I suppose like knowing that and understanding that No one cares what you're doing at the gym, right? No one really gives a fuck. You're there doing you. It doesn't matter whether you've been training for 10, 15, 20 years or it's your first session ever. It's cool. And I know it can be intimidating a bit because you might not know exactly what to do. And that's completely normal as well. If you're unsure what it is that you want to be doing when you're there or how to use the equipment, the simple solution is educate. Educate yourself. The simple um, thing would be get a program. If you get a program written for you, then you you know exactly what it is that you've got to do when you get into the gym. You know exactly what the workout is, you know the equipment that you need, you know where you've got to be, all that kind of stuff. And after doing like a week, you're going to be feeling way more comfortable, way more confident, way more able to go in there because you know where all the stuff is. All that kind of stuff, it makes it a lot easier. I think that... If you feel like, and I've heard people say this before, I'm not fit enough to go to the gym, or I'm too out of shape to go to the gym, I just want to tell you that no one is too out of shape to go to the gym. The gym is specifically designed for you to improve yourself and to become better, whether it's a Globo gym, CrossFit gym, bodybuilders gym, powerlifting gym, whatever, everything is designed for you as a person to become better. So... I guess like knowing all of that and then just literally having the confidence in who you are to own that shit, own it. You don't have to be a pro the first day you walk in. No one's ever a pro. In fact, we're always, always learning. Doesn't matter if you're, I don't know, just like title titled something. There's always more to learn. And so asking for help or asking questions is cool. It's absolutely fine. So I guess like, owning it, going up, like if it is literally your first day, going up to uh, the PT that's working there or the the receptionist or the manager or whatever and just be like, hey, my name's David. Uh, It's my first day at the gym. I'll be honest, I'm a little bit nervous. Would you mind showing me around? Honestly, I think that like just that one conversation is going to make everything a lot easier. Um, And even though it might be awkward, it is generally those awkward conversations that we have which allow us to progress our life you know everything that we do every opportunity for us to grow comes from us putting ourselves in a position which is a little bit uncomfortable we only ever grow and develop and adapt when we are forced to and if we constantly live within our comfort zone we're never going to get any better or stronger or fitter or more intelligent or more able to understand ourselves as human beings all of these things they're going to be affected so just ask the question, just know that no one else really cares what you're doing at the gym and if you're unsure just ask, just speak up, that will go a long way and you'll develop a lot as a person if you do that but if you're not ready to do any of that kind of stuff just grab yourself some sort of home workout, bang that out for a bit until you're feeling a little bit better about yourself but only do it for a small amount of time because there is a limit, the effectiveness of home workouts if you have the opportunity to go into an environment where you're surrounded by people which are trying to achieve the same thing as you you are much more likely to flurry flurry flourish that's the word i was looking for cool the last of the nutrition questions we're going to get on to today guys we have two questions left this one is the nutrition one and it is can you lose fat and gain muscle at the same time Oh, you see, I'm going to touch on this one real quick because I know that it's something that, um, although there is some sort of confusion, that's not the right word, conflict, perhaps a little bit. Some people say you can't, some people say you can. In essence, if you want to gain muscle real quick, then you need to be in a surplus. If you want to lose body fat real quick, you need to be in a deficit. Muscle mass needs energy to be grown right? It needs energy because you're physically creating more of something, right? If you're eating an adequate amount of protein, which is going to promote muscle synthesis, which is the the growth of new muscle and the repair of muscle, then, and you're in a, uh, a calorie deficit, there is nothing stopping your body getting the energy to grow muscle tissue from your fat tissue, right? So, Just like when you're in a deficit and you are moving around loads, your body can take the energy from fat and use it to move around, right? It breaks down fat tissue, converts it into um, energy for you to move. There's nothing stopping your body from doing that to create more muscle tissue. And so even though you might stay exactly the same weight, if you're a slight deficit, there's nothing that prevents your body from taking the protein that you're putting in, creating muscle tissue, using the energy from body fat that's stored on you. So yeah, in theory, you can burn fat and lose muscle, uh, sorry, burn fat and gain muscle at the same time. However, it is not the most effective way of doing things. As with most things when it comes to training and your body, if you specialize in something or focus your energy on something earlier on, then you're gonna get a better result. If you try and do everything, you're going to get all right at some of that stuff. But if you like really focus and try and do one thing, then you're going to get much better at that one thing because we only have a certain amount of time to train and to focus on what it is because most of us have jobs and families and other things going on. We've got social lives and all that kind of stuff. So we don't have like all the time to focus on us. If we did have all the time to focus on us, like CrossFit athletes, professional CrossFit athletes, then you'd be able to become really, really good at a lot of stuff. But we don't. So we just got to like focus on one thing. So if you want to get bigger, it makes more sense to lift weights and be in a slight calorie surplus. And if you want to get smaller, lose body fat, then it makes sense to lift weights and be in a slight calorie deficit rather than trying to do both at the same time. Although, unless you're a complete newbie, uh, if you've never really lifted before, then your body will actually happily build muscle and lose fat at the same time to start off with because it will just react a lot faster than people that have been training for a lot longer. And that takes us on to the final question. Air horns, that was an air horn, in case you guys were wondering. (laughs) I should probably get some sound effects. We could have had a little like a sound effects board or something, so I could like I feel like that would be fun. I'll look into that. wonder if I can get one. Anyway, the last question is a mindset question. And it says, I want to lose 20 kilos, but keep putting it off. Um, how can I, how do I start? Or oh, where do I start? Sorry. <clears throat> I want to lose 20 kilos, but I keep putting it off. Where do I start? That's the question. And the reason I've put this in the mindset thing is because the problem isn't knowledge. The problem isn't training or nutrition. The problem is have the fear of taking on something that is too small. Uh, sorry, that's too big. Like often we can be we can be paralyzed when we feel that the goal that we're trying to achieve is too big. It's like if you for a first day university, right? First day university and you go, and then the teacher says, okay, cool, so welcome to university, this is your three-year degree, Um, this is all of the stuff that you're going to do, and you need to do it, here you go, go, and they just put like binders of information on your desk, binders and binders, and then they stack up all of the um assignments that you've got to do, and it's like, feet high, multiple feet high, like how intimidating would that be? How daunting and scary would that be? You probably wouldn't even do it. Like if that was what people say, okay, this is your your university degree, go and do it. I would would be amazed if even 1% of people completed it because it's so intimidating. The scale of the project is so big that... It just stops you dead in your tracks so the way to do it is to get rid of all this stuff get rid of all this stuff get rid of it get rid of it just focus on the first thing so you're going to university on the first day what do they say oh hey here you go um this is your introduction to chemistry uh this is what we're going to be doing today here you go And then you get taken through it step by step in that class. Cool. All right. That was not too bad, was it? That was okay. I can manage that. That's, it's good. It's the same with trying to lose 20 kilos. 20 kilos can seem a lot, but it's a lot less than some people. Some people might want to lose 100 kilos. The only way to approach this is to set small incremental targets. Okay. It's not, I want to lose 20 kilos. This is, I want to lose, half a pound this week, that's it. My goal is I want to lose half a pound this week. Cool, all right, I can do that. What do I need to do in order to lose half a pound? All right, well, all we're going to do this week is instead of eating 3,000 calories, we're going to eat 2,700. Simple, 2,600. Cool, all right, no dramas. Or all we're going to do this week is instead of drinking 10 pints on a Friday, we're going to have a few vodka soda limes instead. All right, not bad. See, that's a manageable thing. All we have to do is take this big target. uh, We take this big target and we just break it down, small little chunks, like little breadcrumbs. And then we just have to follow those breadcrumbs. And each time we find one, we just pick it up and that's the goal achieved. And so over time, these small little breadcrumbs, they lead us to the big goal that we once thought was impossible, that was overwhelmingly difficult and big. And we've achieved it. We've done the thing that we thought we could never do Because instead of attacking that first big thing as a massive, big problem, we've just gone small little bits, step by step. So with any big thing that you're trying to think of, be it university, be it work project, be it losing loads of weight, be it gaining loads of muscle, be it qualifying for some fitness competition or quitting your job or whatever, think, yes, I want to have this big goal. I want to have this big, big thing that I'm working towards and I want to take that big thing and I'm just going to go, right, what's the first thing that I'm going to do? What's the very first thing that I'm going to do? And I'm just going to do that. And I'm going to do the next thing. and I'm going to do the next thing. That's it. That's what you do. Simple, dead simple. Small steps, incrementally growing, and then you achieve the big goal you never thought you could. And that, ladies and gentlemen, brings me to the end. Of episode 11 of the Coaching Confidence Podcast. You, ladies and gentlemen, have been wonderful, absolutely wonderful, as always. Now, remember, if you want to get your questions in dead simple, just follow me on Instagram at David.Burwessel and slide into those DMs. Get those questions in. I want to know what you guys want to know the answers to. As always, this podcast it's run by you it's literally run by the people if you guys have questions you want to know what 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 is anything through fitness training mindset just you know fire that question in you could have your question answered live here on instagram or listen to it on the podcast next week um if you are listening on the podcast be a legend you know what i'm going to say leave that review do me a favor just like a cheeky little five stars quick little comment section like oh yeah great podcast thanks dave love you bye something like that <laughs> That would be wonderful. Uh, Tell your friends, tell your mum, tell your nan. I hope you guys had a great day. I'm going to see you all next week. Have a good one. Bye.